You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Dave Ammons. Church! Love it! All right. Who's happy to be in church? Oh, that was weak. Y'all can do better. Who's happy to be in church? That's it. You got to let God know you're happy about something up in here. Man. Can we just say a big hello to everybody who's joining us online? Everybody say hello to everybody. Hello, hello, hello. It's great to be in church. In fact, my wife is joining us online. If I can just look in the camera, baby, happy birthday to you. I love doing life with you. Today's her birthday. She's with the boys out of town. Can't wait to meet them up, and we're going to celebrate you today because she is a, whoo, she's a good woman. I'll tell you right now, it's awesome. Well, guys, I'm excited to be in church, and uh, man, what a great season to be in the church. What a great season to be here at Cathedral. Uh, we are in our first week, actually, we were just completed our first week of 21 days of prayer. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Y'all can. The Lord likes when y'all celebrate. Y'all don't have to be bashful about it. Y'all know I like that kind of stuff. Any excuse to celebrate God and what's doing in His life? Hey, we got done celebrating the first week of 21 days. Come on, let me hear you. And He's already off to some great things. And I tell you what, you guys are taking me up on the challenge that I said last week. And I know I gave you a lot of information last week. So let me give you, remind you what that challenge was. Here was the challenge that this is going to be the best year of your life if this is the best year of your life spiritually. And I'm going to tell you right now, I am very happy to announce that this is the most successful, most participating 21 days of prayer and fasting that we've ever had in a church. Hundreds of people are joining us live in this room and joining us live online in your living rooms. And that is something to celebrate. Hundreds of you guys. And I will tell you, join us, 6.30 in the morning, there is something, it's more powerful and more dynamic live, okay? I'll just, no bones about it, but I'm so proud of the ones who, who can't. If you're a family like myself, me and Macy can't come at the same time, okay? And so we split off, and I, and I love being able to wake up in the mornings and, and, and tell my children, hey, I'm going to go downstairs and I'm going to put prayer on. And they come down and they do prayer mornings with me. And so however you need to make it work, make it work. Because I'm telling you, these 21 days, it's just powerful. It's powerful when we draw close to God what he does in our life. In fact, many of you guys um, will ask from time to time, why 21 days? Like, what's so special? Like, why don't we do seven? That kind of seems a little easier than the whole 21 days, right? Why 21 a lot of churches around the nation and really worldwide do this, and it, it, it goes back to an Old Testament book of the Bible. Daniel um, did a fast for 21 days. He was in a season of his life where he needed incredible breakthrough. He was crying out to God, and he needed God's help. There wasn't a way out that he saw. If you want to read this story, it's Daniel chapter 9 and Daniel chapter 10, where this is, thing, this is based off of. And at the end of the 21 days of fasting that he did, the heavens opened up, Scripture says, and God delivered this blessing, this this answer that that Daniel was so seeking God for. And that's exactly what we're doing over these 21 days is we're seeking the face of God. We're drawing close to him, making him the priority in our life. And already we're seeing 
People have answers to prayers that they've been longing for. People getting excited for what God has for this year. People, you heard Doug, there, there's a lot of people believing for just the healings that they need in their life. And I think, honestly, we may talk about this later on, but I think this is a year. Uh, you want to know how God is going to show his signs and his wonders? I personally believe, as I've been praying, I think this is going to be a year that you see miraculous healings all across this world. Okay? It didn't just start with Damar. You're going to see this in so many different people's lives, and I can't wait to see the goodness of God all over this earth. And I will tell you, for those who have been so dedicated every single morning, keep it up. I'm so proud of you. God is so proud of you. And, but if you've been coming for the first seven days and you're like, I just don't know, can I tell you that it doesn't mean that your prayers weren't answered? Because let's go back to the story in Daniel. Daniel was getting a little frustrated. He was actually wondering, God, are you hearing me? I'm praying desperately. I'm crying out to you. God, are you hearing me? What Daniel didn't know is that God answered his prayer on day one. He released the angels, but yet, don't you know that there's an enemy that doesn't want to see you succeed in life? Don't you know that there's an enemy that doesn't want to see you drawing close to God? Am I the only one that gets a little spiritual warfare in my life? Y'all live in peachy king lives? Uh-uh. He sent an answer on day one. It took 21 days of warring. In fact, he had to get one of the prolific angels to join with him, Michael, right? But the answer came on day one. So don't give up. Keep up the race because I'm telling you, God has something good for you. If you haven't joined us so far, it is never too late. God answers you in a moment, and I think by the end of the service, you'll see that. Okay, so 21 days of prayer. Thank y'all for making it such a success. I love a church that chases after the things of God. All right, amen? Amen, amen, amen. amen. All right, well, let's go ahead and dive into uh, what we have, uh, what we're going to be talking about over the next couple of weeks, and I am going to need some water. Throw it up here. Y'all get me talking about Jesus. Y'all get me excited now. All right, last week we talked about the favor of God, right? And um, I believe it's a word that is going to define our year, but let me remind you of really the thing that I think we need to attach with that word favor and how it also attaches to the rest of the series because I think it's going to be a roadmap that I'm hoping as I pray for you guys that this becomes something that we internalize. Because as you think about uh, favor, you, the first thing that we have to do is that we have to receive it. it you can't do anything if you don't receive it, right? If you just, no, I'm good. That's where it stops. So we have to receive it, but it can't stop there because once we receive it in our life, then we have to begin this process of cultivating it in our life. But once we start cultivating it, then we need to become good stewards of that favor. But then it doesn't even stop there because God, how many of you guys know that the, the blessings that God gives us aren't just meant for you and I? It, it, scripture says that he overflows. He doesn't just fill us. Because if it was just a filling, maybe, yeah, you can perceive that it's just for us. But he fills us to the point that it's overflowing. Why? So we can give it to others. So we got to receive it. we got to cultivate it. we got, we got to steward it well, and we got to get to a place where we can give it to others. And so I think as we explore this topic of the church, the purpose of the church, what are we chasing after? Take those four things that I just told you, and I think that's a good roadmap as we explore this topic and what the purpose is. 
Okay, because as we discover the purpose that Jesus had for the church, here's what's going to happen. We're going to understand the role that it plays in our life, but then we're also going to understand a little bit better of how do we get all that he has for us in this church. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and get your Bibles out or turn your phones, whatever you have, but we're going to be living in Matthew chapter 16 today. Matthew chapter 16. They're going to put it up on the screen as well. I know some of you guys like to highlight and do some other stuff in your Bibles. So here we go. We're going to start off in verse number 13. Here's what it says. It says, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah or maybe you're Jeremiah. You're one of these prophets that we know about. And Jesus asked, but what about you? Who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered. He says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replies to him and says, blessed are you, Simon. For, for, what, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Okay, now this is the first time that we see the word church appear in the Bible. And any time that you read something in the Bible for the first time, oftentimes it'll give you a good look and maybe enhance your understanding of that subject. It's what biblical scholars call the law of the first mention. And so here we have the first mention of the word church in the Bible. And it's why we're going to start here as well. And you can kind of look at this series. I'm going to take you through a chronological look of the Bible or, or of church in the Bible as we see it. Okay. So that's why we're going to start here today at the first mentioned because it's the first okay now this word that we call church in the greek it's called ecclesia everybody say ecclesia ecclesia as a topic in the bible church is mentioned 118 times in over 115 different verses okay and that's all throughout the new testament Okay, but this is the first time that we see it used, so let me give you some context around this verse so we have a better understanding of this first mention that we see here, okay? Jesus lived to be about 33 years old before he was crucified. Now, three and a half years of, those, uh, of his life was his active ministry, okay? And so his ministry really didn't start until he was the age of 30. He had about three and a half years. So at this point in the verse that we just read, he's about halfway through his ministry years. A year and a half in, he's already begun, okay? And that's when he makes this statement in Matthew chapter 16 to his disciples. And, and what he's doing is he's beginning to prepare them for what is getting ready to happen. Because he knows what the end of his journey on this earth is going to look like. You say, well, what is that? What, what's going to happen? Well, here's what he's preparing them for. There's going to be a day very soon where I will physically not be on this earth with you. And he wants them to be ready for what's next, okay? 
after Jesus dies on the cross, he's resurrected, but he doesn't immediately go up to heaven. In fact, he actually spends the next 40 days appearing and being with the disciples. And here's what he says to them. He's got a message that he really wants to, to communicate to the disciples. He wants them to know, hey, I'm not dead. I'm alive. And he wanted to know, hey, here is what I did for you. Here is what I accomplished for you on your behalf. No longer do you have to be held back by sin. I went down and defeated death, hell, and the grave for you, and I want to make sure that you understand this. But the last thing that he tells them, this is Acts chapter 1, right before he goes up to heaven, he says, hey, whatever you do, I need you to stay in Jerusalem because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. And he really, he doesn't want them to miss this. This is so important to Jesus, okay? Because of all the things that Jesus taught the disciples, all the time that the disciples spent with Jesus, seeing the teachings, seeing these miracles, everything that they were witness to, he wants them to know something. He says, you, you will now be able to accomplish these things as well. It's not just a me thing. This is now being passed on to you, which is a really neat thing because... Um, Jesus wasn't able to start his ministry until he was empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. So now he's birthing a new thing. He's birthing the church. And he says, before you go and do this, you too have to be empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to the church and the church is birthed in Acts chapter 2. This happens on the day of Pentecost, which many of you may have heard this word Pentecost. What it simply means, penta, 50. Okay, so this is 50 days after the Passover. That's what they're celebrating. But it's now also 50 days after Jesus' death. And the Holy Spirit shows up onto the scene. And the Bible tells us of this incredible scene that every single one of them, 120 in total, were filled and empowered with the Holy Spirit. Now the fallout of this magnificent event, this incredible encounter where God's presence came onto this earth in the form of the Holy Spirit, is they begin to live out the purpose that God had for the church. That's the fallout of this. And next week what we're going to do is we're going to dive in and see what all happened in Acts chapter 2, the Acts chapter 2 church. Okay, we'll dive into that. Um, but what I want to do today is I want to teach you about the, the purpose of the church in the first place. So that's what we're going to look at. All right, so Jesus, he's announcing this to him, and, and Jesus gave us the church for a purpose, okay? We've got to start there, okay? There, there is a reason why the church was the parting gift to the world, okay? So write this down. The first thing that we see is it's personal. It's personal, Okay, this is verse 15. It says, but what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. This phrase that we see in verse number 17, it was revealed to you. You see, Revelation uh, is something that happens on the inside of us because it's a heart thing. It's a heart decision because if we give Jesus our heart, he gets everything else. 
This is Matthew chapter 6, verse 21. The Bible says that whatever we give our heart to, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. This is our time. This is, this is our resources. This is our money. This is our talents that every single one of us have. Where our heart is, there you're going to find the treasure as well. Everything goes where your heart is, and this thing can only be revealed to you by the Spirit of God, okay? This is how it looks in so many people's lives. At some point in your life, you will have this moment, this moment where I believe you'll even sit this aha moment. Oh, okay, it's different. I, I experienced something, and, and what happens is you begin to recognize who Jesus really is, what happens is he goes from this figure that we just have in our life to now becoming the main thing in our life. And there's a difference between those two things, right? What ends up happening is he becomes not just this figure, but he becomes this figure that consumes our thoughts. We begin to put everything through this lens of what would Jesus do? I, I wanna, I wanna, before I do anything, I want to make sure that I do it in prayer. It consumes every decision that we want to make. He, he goes from this figure in our life to becoming the main thing. And I love how Jesus operates because he's always intentional. He's having this conversation with the disciples in Caesarea Philippi, which is about 30 miles from the Sea of Galilee. 30 miles from their hometown, 30 miles where they're doing the majority of the ministry that we hear about all throughout the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all those different things. 30 miles away. Why would Jesus take the disciples 30 miles out of his way? Caesarea Philippi is off by itself. It was kind of, kind of like a secular playground of their day. Okay? 30 miles. It's not like they can hop in their car and be downtown in 30 minutes. They had to walk 30 miles. So obviously Jesus was doing something here. Jesus has them on this journey of discovering the things of the kingdom. What this life is all about. That's the journey that they're on. And the same thing is true with you and I. Jesus is on a personal discovery journey with each of us individually. You know, as you look down your row, where somebody is in their relationship with Jesus is completely different than where you are. Aren't you glad that we serve a God that loves us so personally that he's going to tailor this relationship with you and I? Every little thing in our lives matters to him, okay? And here's the thing that I, I can't help but to believe that if Jesus was here in the physical, what I believe that he would want to say to us is he would want to communicate how important you are, that you're worth it. And he wants you to know and to understand these things of life. Now, I know sometimes, man, it seems like you are, man, you've missed the boat. It's like, I'm just not getting these things. I'm not understanding. It's, it's like, I, I, feel like I'm, I feel like I'm honestly chasing after it, maybe. Right? It, it, sometimes it just feels like you're just not moving forward. Like everybody else is moving forward, but I'm just not going. Can I just tell you, it's not true. It's a part of our human downfall. Because even the disciples are in the same exact boat, if that's you. You can read in scripture right before this story happens, and this is exactly where the disciples are. They're questioning themselves. They're doubting their con. They've just been called from Jesus himself. They left what they all knew. Left everything behind. 
but yet they lack this understanding. You ever been in a place like that where you're just not exactly sure, am I, am I going in the direction that God has for me? This is exactly where the disciples find themselves. They're doubting. They're lacking understanding. Jesus takes a 30-mile journey because it's personal. Because it's important for this moment to happen in the lives of the disciples. It's important for this journey to happen in your life, in my life, for this understanding to take place. Caesarea, like I said, it's, it's off by itself, but it's, it's where he asked them this question. Who do you say that I am? Now, now I know there's all this buzz around town. Remember, he's a year and a half into, this, into his ministry life. All the towns are buzzing. They're talking about this Jesus figure, right? Who do they say I am? And the disciples respond back to Jesus and tell them, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah or Jeremiah. They're one of these prophets. Jesus pauses. And this is the point where Jesus now brings it closer to home. And here's what I can hear. I'm not interested in what everybody else thinks. What matters to me is you. What matters to me is what do you think? Who do you say that I am? And something miraculous happens to Peter because he doesn't know the answer to this question, but all of a sudden, this revelation begins to happen. This personal encounter begins to happen. Now, this, thing, this type of thing happens to you from time to time. How many of you guys have ever been with a friend trying to give them advice? You're encouraging them, and as you're giving them this advice, the words that you're saying, you're going, man, this sounds really good. I wonder who's talking. Sounds too good to be true. Like, you're like, man, i got to listen to my own advice here on this thing. But what is that? It's coming from a deeper source from within you. That's that Holy Spirit prompting, this Holy Spirit revelation. All of a sudden, Peter hears himself saying, verse 16, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Jesus looks back and Peter goes, is that you, Peter? Dang. That a yeah, that's you. Dang on it. How about that? He replies and said, but blessed are you. For this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Truth was passed down to Peter and revealed to him. Now this process that we see happening is a foreshadowing of what's to come. Because Jesus, in a year and a half from this point, he's getting ready to leave this earth. And he wants us to know, hey, I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to send you a helper, and I'm going to build this thing called the church. And a group of people for generations to come, they're going to come together, and their whole life is going to be God revealing it, and God showing, and God bringing truth into their life. But before that happens, I'm going to give you a personal friend that I'm going to send you. And his name will be the Holy Spirit, and he will lead you into all truth. See, this conversation that's taking place that we see happen, part information, part revelation will be the very thing that feeds and strengthens the church. And for the rest of the New Testament, we see this come true and play out. He says, I will build my church on this, this, this personal relationship between me and him, this, this personal relationship between you and the God of this universe where revelation knowledge will be passed down, the, this word of God being revealed to us. He continues, and he tells the disciples in verse 19, he says, oh, and on top of all this, I will give you the keys 
to the kingdom of heaven. Whoa. You see, a key is a sign of authority, but it's also personal. Did you know that you can get to the keys to the kingdom of heaven? It's available to every single one of us. This, this ability to unlock understanding, to understanding these kingdom dynamics and these kingdom principles that we see laced throughout scripture. But I want you to think about keys for just a moment. Do you give keys to strangers? No, no. Who, who do you give keys to? You give keys to somebody who you trust, who you have a deep personal connection to, that you have this relationship. It's a personal item that you kind of give them to. Our relationship with God in its deepest, most pure form is personal. Doing church the way God purposed, it can't be anything else other than personal. If you remember a few months back during our anniversary, we, we, we gave everybody in the church a key. And, and this key was symbolizing, this is your home. You have a key to this church. You need God to do something major in your life. Come to church, get healed up without any judgment and with all the grace of God behind you. You're believing something great for your family this year? You got the key to come into your home, come in this home, and start believing for what God has for your family. You got something that you're personally going through? Come on home. God's ready to deal with you. God's ready to free you from those addictions, from those things in our life that hold us back. You believing for a friend to come find the God of this universe? Bring him with you. We're going to do everything we can because you got a key to this house and we're going to do everything that we can to make the message of Jesus come alive in our lives. This is your home. That's the tool that God gives us for this day is that we can make a difference not only in our lives but in the lives of the people right here in the low country. We have to build our lives based off of this personal relationship that is based off of who he is. You see, what's interesting about this verse, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? That word say in the Greek is the word Lego. Pretty interesting, right? Okay. But what do our kids do with Legos? They build these magnificent structures, right, that are crazy. All these little annoying tiny pieces, 5,000 pages of instructions, and out pops this amazing just structure like, holy cow, where did that come from? Okay, if this is going to be the best year of your life, if this is going to be God's year to act, and it can be true, he has to be our Lego. We have to build our life off of him. And as you think about Legos, what do you do? You connect them one to another. If we let him be our Lego, he's the only thing that will connect us to everything else that we need in life. It's a personal relationship, okay? All right, the second thing we see is this. Write this down. Second thing we see in this story is that it's transformational. If you're going to be a part of the church that God's designed for us, it's going to be transformational. This is verse number 18 of our verse. It says, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Okay, I want, you to, I want to explain this to you because... Sometimes I do verses and I see the confused look on y'all's faces of like, how in the world is this tied to the point that he has? Um, and this, this is something that can be very easily overlooked if you just don't know it, okay? Very easily overlooked. So I just I want to make sure that we see something here, okay? Now when I read that verse, 
I think it's very clear the disciple, which disciple Jesus is talking to. He's talking to Peter. But that wasn't always his name. Okay, when Jesus met Peter, he was a fisherman and his name was Simon. But Jesus called him to something different. Jesus, Jesus changes his name. He becomes Peter. In other words, if you and I are really going to be Christ followers in a part of his church, there has to be this moment in our life where true life change happens. It's this transformation, a place where we can say, I once was, but now I am. Come on, how many of you guys are thankful that you've had a I once was moment, but now I am because of what God did in your life? Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I love about hearing people's stories because so many people have this I once was, oh, but by the grace of God, man, my life is so much different and I am so thankful because of it, now I am. This moment for me came when I was a freshman in college. You know, I was, I, was, uh, I was raised in a very good Christian home. I was blessed to have parents that, that gave, gave me a just phenomenal raising. But my freshman year, my relationship with God went from him just kind of being a part of my life. Make sense, everybody? He was there, right? But it went from him just being a part of my life to now he was my life. It was this transformation. It was, for me, it was this I once was, but now I am moment for me. I was heading in a direction that if I would have kept making the decisions, my life was on a track that wasn't going to be what God had intended for me. I once was, but now I am. You need a moment like that in your life where you can say, I'm not living this way anymore. I'm tired of the junk. Listen, I know we're all humans. We're going to mess up, right? You can look down your row. We're some messy people, okay? Look down your row, messy people. All right, now look down at yourself. You messy, okay? We messy people, right? But we need this moment in our life where you can say, okay, I'm going to go a different direction now. This participating in church, having this relationship with Jesus, it transforms you. It transforms your name. Yes, you may not physically change your name, but you're going to run into people and go, Dave, that's you? I got it all the time, right? I had a person from high school coming like, you a preacher? I said, I know. I was crazy, right? (laughs) I once was, but now I am, you know? It transforms our desires. It transforms us, our identity. You know, some people will ask, why is, why is the fasting a part of the whole 21 days? This is part of the reason why fasting is a part of our 21 days. If you've been around here for too long, we, we, we explain life a lot through these three circles that overlap. We have a body, we are a soul, but we have a spirit. We are a spirit being, okay? Now, when we become a believer, we're a baby Christian, right? Our spirit man or our spirit woman is very tiny, Okay, and just like when we exercise, the hope is that we get healthier, we get stronger. And as we mature as a believer, we're hoping that our spirit man or spirit woman would grow along with that. And the fleshy part of who we are gets smaller. Okay, let me explain fasting in the easiest way possible that I can. Okay, you see this soul in the body will begin to shrink. And what ends up happening is quite literally, whatever it is that you're fasting, many of you guys are fasting social media or or news at night or ice cream or 
donuts or whatever it is that you got. Some of you guys are doing full fast. And what you're literally doing is you are starving your body and your soul. And in replacement of that, you're drawing closer to God saying, hey, the spirit part of who I am is in control. It is the priority. God, I make you number one. It's this massive transformation part. It's one of the best ways that we can say, I don't give in to the desires of this world, but God, I make you number one in my life. Okay? I love whoever clapped. <laughs> You're awesome. Peter has this transformation moment, right? Okay? Jesus calls him to be a disciple, and he changes his name from Simon to Peter. Now, Peter in the Greek is this word petros, okay? Hang on to that word for just a second, petros, which means rock, okay? And I want you to think of like a small stone, kind of think gravel, right? Pebble, something of that nature. Then Jesus says to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now, what he wasn't saying was upon you, Peter, I will build my church. Now, next week, I am going to show you how Peter was a very integral person in the very beginning of the church, okay? But that word rock is completely different. Peter, meaning Petros, upon this rock, it's a word Petra. Okay, so we got Petros and Petra, which means boulder or bedrock. It's, it's the very thing that will become our refuge in life. When we build our life off the Petra part of who God is, it becomes our refuge. Which, interestingly enough, refuge is another word that also describes Petra. Okay? So here we see this difference between the two stones, Petros being this little stone, Petra being this big stone, boulder, foundation stone. I'm going to build my church on this rock. So verse 18 could read literally like this. I tell you that you are Petros, a, a small stone, and on this big stone, Petra, I will build my church. Okay, so what does this mean? It means that we always need to remember that you and I, we need to be smaller. And God needs to be bigger in our lives. And this is exactly what we're chasing after over these next 21 days. God, may I decrease and Lord, may you increase in my life. Let's not try to make Jesus just something in our life. He's the big thing. He's the main thing in our life. He's our boulder. He's our refuge. He needs to be everything. That is a great time for y'all to clap and say something about it. Amen. You see, this is exactly what we chase after as a church, okay? Because this is one of the very first purposes that we see of the church, which is why as a church, we don't chase after the things that culture does. We don't blow in the wind or change our stance on topics based off of whatever's popular for that day or next week or month, month or so on and so on, right? We're a church that stands on the word of God, on this Petra, the bedrock of God's word, and it will always be our firm foundation, Okay? The same thing needs to happen in your life. It doesn't just need to be something that you do on Sunday. It doesn't need to be just something that you do when you hang out with a certain group of people. When God transforms our life, he continually increases and we decrease. And that affects every single part of our life. And when we do that, people will notice this transformation. They will see a difference because you'll begin to act different. You'll begin to get this joy in your life. You will begin to get a better sense of your purpose in life. And what that does is that results in you really waking up every single day being on fire because you're on purpose for God. 
Because when you let God transform you, you see these endless possibilities to do better, to be better, to help other people, to encourage other folks, to make a difference in other people's life. And most often what this sounds like is people will say to you, man, there's something different about you. Not sure what it is, but I like it. Kind of want some of it, right? And maybe God will give you an opportunity where you can sit down and say, let me tell you what this is. This isn't a get, you know, self-help book. This ain't all that. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Because he's the thing that transformed. We have to build our life on this Petra kind of rock. The boulder in our life. If you agree with a statement like that, we have to become lovers of his word. We have to build our life. Either his word is true, completely true, or it's not at all. We can't pick and choose the things that we want in our life, especially the hard things. We have to increase and he has to decrease, which let me just say this as it pertains to things increasing and decreasing, okay? Let's say you just come to church and you get crossed. Maybe someone says something that hurts your little feelings or something. I'm not sure what is going to go on, okay? But we're all humans, right? Actually, let me, let me ask it to you this way. How many of you guys have been to a restaurant and had a bad experience? Raise your hand. Everybody raise your hand, and you're in Charleston, daggone it. <laughs> Y'all have all had a bad restaurant. Let me ask you, did you give up on eating out? Stop giving up on church because it's messy. Can I tell you what that verse says? That verse says, and I will build my church. It's God's church. It's not ours. You got a problem with it? Take it up with him. But let me just tell you. When you take it up with him, be ready for a response that you may not like. You may go to God. Oh, God, he hurt my feelings. So-and-so was just so rude. And God goes back and says, guess what? You did the same thing to somebody else. It can happen. Part of transformation may be having grace. Okay? Now, I'm not making excuses for people's behavior. And I pray that it never happens to you. I pray that nobody ever treats you like that. I, I, I pray all the time, God, would you make this a different church? I don't want anybody to ever come through these doors feeling judged. I don't want any, because we say some stupid stuff sometimes. You know, one of the things that I pray for every single time that I go over to Israel, I'm on the Sea of Galilee, and I'm looking out, and I, and I pray this prayer, God, would you break my heart for your people again? Because this is the very place that God would go out this was one of his prayer places, and he would look out over where he was doing ministry, this Caesarea Philippi place that I was telling you about. They would literally throw babies alive into a cave. And the scripture says, in the gates of hell, do you know what that gate, that cave was called? The gate of hell. And the gates of hell will not prevail. This trans I'm telling you guys, it's just so important for us. This, this transformation, it will change you from the inside out. This, this, this old can be transformed into the new. Let me ask you this question. What if Jesus died for more than just forgiveness? It's a pretty powerful question if you think about it. Now, that would be enough because he settled eternity for you and I. But what if he died for more than just forgiveness? Because the good news is the gospel doesn't stop with just a get out of hell free card. There's more to this life. We treat grace like it's this beer racer for us to 
erase every wrong that we've done in our life. But God doesn't mean for it to only erase the page clean. Rather, he intends to write a new story in sin's place, replacing what's once was this, I used to be, I used to be wicked and broken and dead inside. Yes, that is a race, but it's a pla- replaced with love, kindness, faithfulness, life. The gospel doesn't just get us out of hell. It gets us paired up with the purpose of the church, which is to make us new. Transformation and grace doesn't help us just shed the weight of our sin. It empowers us to feel and to live differently. We're set apart. I want to introduce you to a guy named Mike Martin. Not too long ago, I ran into him in the foyer. And when I saw him in the foyer, I knew there was something different about him. It's a weird correlation, but it'll make sense. You ever come across a pregnant lady and you know they're pregnant because they got a glow on their face? Right? They're just radiating, right? And I always love that because I just think that God's just so happy that another person's coming into his world and his kingdom, right? There was a glow on this guy's face. I knew that God had done something. I couldn't wait to hear what God was doing in his life. And so he got close enough, started asking him his story, and his story was incredible. You see, Mike was raised in a church. He had a relationship with God from a very young age, just like so many of us. But he found that he was just kind of off this path of following God. He joins the military, and during that time, he gets in a pretty bad relationship. And it ends in some pretty good devastation. It was a messy situation. Rather than Mike turning to God, rather than Mike turning to the church to kind of get him through that situation, he allowed these circumstances to just pull him away. And it wasn't too long before that substances begin to just dominate every part of his life. Substance abuse was the dominating force in his life. So now he finds himself on this journey of trying to break free. And he, he's getting, trying to get out of these addictions. He finds himself in AA. Little did he know that AA was about to bring him back full circle and lead him to a place of true freedom. Take a look at Mike's story. My name is Mike Martin. A lot of people here call me Moose. Um, I've been coming to Cathedral for about two years. One day, my sponsor invited me to church, or, or he asked me to give him a ride to church, is, is actually how it happened. Um, and so he didn't have a car, and I said, okay, yeah, absolutely, you know, I'll give you a ride to church. Um, and so we left the meeting and we came to church, and we were sitting out here in the parking lot. Um, and uh, uh, he said, hey, uh, jump out of the car, come over and meet the guys, uh, which is where I met Frank for the first time. Um, and uh, so as we were talking to Frank, uh, as we finished talking, they were getting ready to come into church and Frank said, hey, you're welcome to come into church with us. Um, and I said to him, no, you know, let me work on my relationship with God before I go into a church. Um, and so they all came into church and I went and got back in the car and I was pulling out of the parking spot when I heard what I said, when I said, let me work on my relationship with God before I walk into a church. And I realized that it was the dumbest thing I've ever said in my entire life. There's not a better place to work on your relationship with God, but in God's house. After I heard myself say that and I came to this realization, I pulled the car back into the parking spot. Uh, I got on my phone and texted my sponsor. Um, and I said to him, hey, I'm gonna go ahead and, uh, and uh, come in, where are you guys sitting? Um, and so I hid up there in the balcony for a while 
Um, I came here for about a year before I started introducing myself to the folks outside of that small group. Um, and when I started meeting people, um, they started telling me, hey, we have this program, Growth Track. Um, you should check out this program, Growth Track. And I got into Growth Track and uh, I finished that in December. Um, and almost to the day, uh, two years from when I first started coming here. Um, and so now I know about all, all these other small groups uh, and I can't wait to get involved with them and meet more people here and get involved with guest services. And uh, I've been trying to learn the guitar for like 20 years. Um, and so uh, I'm trying to get involved with the music program and just anything I can do to continue to fill that hole uh, with positive things instead of you know, what I spent the better part of two decades filling it with. Come on, let's give it up for Mike and what God's doing in his life. <clears throat> I love when God just gets a hold of us and it just transforms us. Uh, let me end by saying this. H how does this all begin in our life? Well, let me just show you with Peter and take you back to how it started with him. This is Matthew chapter 4. Jesus calls Peter. And he says this, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew. They were throwing a net into the sea because they were fishermen. Jesus said to them, come, follow me, and I will teach you how to catch people instead of fish. They immediately left their nets and followed him. We see this transformation from fishermen, and Jesus said, hey, hey I'm going to take you to be something else. I'm going to develop you into this person that you were intended to be from the beginning of time. Here's the important part that I want to leave you with here today. I want to bring you to a place where you can make a personal decision, just like Peter, just like Andrew. They did on that shoreline that day. You ready? Here, here's, it says they immediately left their nets meaning that they abandoned, that they gave up. You see, the be the church that God is looking for and the one that the world desperately needs is a group of people ready to abandon themselves. And when we do this, we're declaring to God, I want less of me and I want more of you. Transform me, God. I know this can be hard, but just like what Mike did in the parking lot, decisions were made. He reparked his car got out of that car, immediately transformation began to happen. We're going to sing a song, and it's all about the power of God. Let him, him be number one in our life. This, this process of surrendering to Him and letting Him do what only He can do. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about where are you in life. What's led you to today? Maybe you're at a place where you need to let some things go. Are there, is there something just holding you back? Do you need to let God break some things in your life that just don't need to be there? Maybe you're at a place where you just realize there's just way too many things that are higher than God in my life. Kind of seems like I'm a lot bigger than him in my life. You know your story. Fill in the blank. But it's time to have a conversation with God. Tell him, if you are, don't fake it. There's no reason to do it. But if you're ready, tell him. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready to go all in. 
immediately they left their nets. And you have the same ability in the moment that you do it. Just like Peter and Andrew, just like Mike, he will be right there ready to help you and he'll take you on the journey, the ride of your life. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm getting ready to pray. And as I pray, I want you to do something. What I want you to do is in this moment, I want you to listen to what the Holy Spirit reveals to you. The same Holy Spirit that revealed himself to the disciples, to Peter and Andrew on that shore, to Mike in the parking lot. The Holy Spirit wants to reveal something to you this morning. Would you just simply listen? God, would you speak to us right now? Let every single one of us, do not let us leave today without hearing from you in this moment. So Father, we dial it down. We quiet ourselves. And Jesus, we ask, would you increase? And would we decrease? Father, would you be our number one? In Jesus' name, amen. Well, church, I hope that you have a better picture of the purpose of what God intended the church for. This is week number one. I can't wait to tell you next week what happens in Acts chapter two. It's absolutely powerful, and I believe it will change our lives. Let me bless you with this. Put your hands out in front of you. Never forget that God's relationship is personal. And no matter what you have going on in your life, he can transform anything that you bring to the table. And so I bless you this week with the awareness that God loves you deeply. And he's always right beside you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you guys for this week. Have a great weekend. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.